This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at Messy.fm. Hey guys, my name's Chris Rivers, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. As I mentioned in the last episode, this podcast is dedicated to helping you become a more productive developer of people. Today, I want to share with you my story and give you some language I use personally to help me focus on my own discipleship journey with Christ. Sometimes when relationships in my life seem off, I try and think through these ideas I'm going to share with you and see if I may be the problem. When you're aware of yourself, your strengths, and weaknesses, and the things that blind you from being effective with people, well, you're more useful to those around you. I've also found that when I evaluate myself regularly around these ideas, I respond well, I relate and influence people to a degree that I couldn't before. So I figure I can let you in on my story so you can get to know me more and also give you some ideas on how you can become aware of the things that could prevent you from being an effective developer of people. At the end of the podcast, I'll provide you with a tool you can use to determine what your blind spots might be as well. So before I share with you my story, let me share with you three temptations I wrestle with on a daily basis. Maybe you can identify with them. Number one, you will never have enough. So I often find myself saying that. This is really fueled by my appetite. Number two, you'll never accomplish enough. And this is fueled by ambition. And number three, you will never be enough, which is fueled by approval. So I'll say those again. That was kind of fast. So often I'm wrestling with these three ideas. Number one, you'll never have enough, fueled by appetite. Number two, you'll never accomplish enough, fueled by ambition. And number three, you'll never be enough, which is fueled by approval. So as I've looked back on my life and the experiences I've had, these temptations have become more clear to me. Okay, so let me share with you three chapters of my life and describe these three things that blind me from what I think keep me from being effective with others. As you listen, I hope you're encouraged and challenged to identify the temptations that you might struggle with as well. Okay, so let's get started. Chapter one, I call this the trailhead. This is birth to 16 years old. So I was born in Orlando, Florida. My dad was a golf professional. My mom was the voice of the haunted house at Disney. And both were really just larger than life to me. Dad took a huge risk and moved us to Augusta, Georgia. We start, He started Club Car with his life savings. Yep, Club Car, that golf cart company. My dad traveled constantly, gone on Monday and back on Friday. Mom tried to make up for my father's absence, and that really never really worked. Uh, I love my mom, don't get me wrong, but I think my dad's absence, it created confusion regarding what it means to be a man. And mom would eventually give her life to Christ and help lead my father to do the same. Uh, I went to church, but mentally wasn't there. My parents were serious about hospitality and hard work. Uh, I'm grateful for that. Uh, social, that, that place where you do a lot of dancing. I don't know if you have that up north, if we've got any northern listeners, but in this, in the south, we have this thing called social. And it was a big deal. And my mom always wanted to make sure I knew what a gentleman was supposed to do. Um, I found out I loved soccer. I started to excel in that. I failed in school miserably. I could charm my way through pretty much anything. Uh, I loved the approval that I got on the soccer field. However, soccer really introduced me to the wrong crowd. 
Okay, so let's move to chapter 2, The 100-Mile Wilderness. Um, this is ages 16 to 24. Uh, in 1993, I turned 16, and I received a false sense of freedom. My parents got me a brand-new car. It was a Saturn. I don't know if you remember the Saturns back in the day. They looked like spaceships. They were pretty cool. I was the oldest in my class, and um, I was – Several months after I got this car, I was kind of bummed by, by my decision, uh, and I asked for a new car and was told no. And, you know, a lot of entitlement, a lot of, a lot of, uh, issues there. Um, and so I was frustrated with that. And, and really in my creativity, I could only think of two reasons for how I could get another car. It was either going to be stolen or it was going to be total. And so I convinced two of my friends to help me total my car on purpose. And one weekend, um, I found myself going to jail and getting kicked out of school. This was in 10th grade in 1994. Um, basically I, wrecked this car and, um, you know, basically pretended to the cops that I totaled it. I thought I saw a deer. And so there was some insurance issues there. And so, uh, I think the cop was trying to scare me and he, he basically took me to jail for the weekend, and, but it didn't turn out good for me. Um, I got kicked out of the school I was in. I was in a private school and man, that really started me down a dark path. Um, when I, when I kind of got my when I got out that weekend and I was done with school, I didn't really want to go to public school. And, uh, I was introduced to a guy by the name of Finn Hitchcock. He owned a nonprofit and, um, the area, he was a great godly man and he helped me get my GED. And so I really tried to follow the Lord. I tried to, uh, understand, you know, what it looked like to be a productive person in the world. Um, but I just struggled with that. My, my parents, they were kind of tired with me. I think that they just wanted me to get out and start my own way. And so they gave me a large amount of money and commissioned me to go make my own way. Um, I know that was hard for them, but as but I was a hot mess, and I know they really needed me out of the house to have sanity. Um, drugs became a big thing for me, and uh, I, I spent a lot of my money on doing stupid things. If you think about the the prodigal son story found in Luke, I mean, I just was it was reckless, loose living. That's what it was like for several months, and. When I was, when I was 19, I, I came home and, uh, was really struggling with my identity in Christ, struggling to figure out who I was and, uh, got introduced to a guy by the name of Stephen Merwin. He was involved in something called Campus Outreach and he helped me really hear the gospel for the first time and realize my own depravity. And I gave my life to Christ in a hotel room at a conference with him in 1996. It was December and I, I struggled to live honestly with others still, uh, and, and I kind of lived two different lives. Uh, I met a young girl, and I just was really smitten by her, and we started to date. And a couple of weeks after that, she invited me to eat dinner with her parents. And one night I went home to, to their house and, uh, we ate dinner and the mom, um, of this young lady just really challenged me to attend a narcotics anonymous meeting. It was kind of the craziest situation. But, um, in 1999, I picked up a white chip fueled by approval and ambition. Um, I, I it was struggle. I struggled a bit. I, I felt like I needed a Republican version of NA. So I started going to AA. Um, and, and I really honest didn't, I didn't really take Take recovery seriously. Um, I got engaged to this young girl, um, and um, the mom of this young girl 
we didn't tell anyone. I mean, it was just like, I just was on a course for doing whatever I wanted to do. And that caught, I got caught relapsing. And this young woman's mom, who really just took a big investment in me, she just, she pleaded with me to like get my life back together and just really like get honest with myself. And November 2nd, 1999, I picked up a white chip and got real serious about working through the program of recovery. Uh, I got a sponsor. His name was Jack O'Connell. He took me through the 12 steps and working the steps was just a major breakthrough for me. Uh, steps four and nine. Um, I remember doing my fourth step with Jack and I remember him just lighting it up. Um, if you've never been through recovery, there's a series of steps that you take through, or if you've never been through a 12-step program, and you kind of make your amends. You write all the things, the wrongs that you've done with people. And, and I had a huge notebook, and he just at one point just he took a lighter and lit the thing on fire after asking me if I was ready to 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 move on and i just i remember how nervous i was and so concerned about what people thought about me and you know when i was going to meet these people that i needed to apologize to and i i remember walking through a grocery store one time after this happened and i this woman was walking down the aisle towards me and i i remembered what jack told me he said hey listen if you if you meet any of these people, just tell them that, you know, you realize you've done some things to damage your relationship and you're going to make a firm resolve not to repeat those errors. And so I remember this woman coming down the aisle and I remember reciting that line over and over again in my mind, like a hundred times it seemed like I was so afraid. And I approached this woman and I told her, Hey, Miss Vizi, I, I realize I've done some things to damage our relationship and I'm going to make a firm resolve not to repeat those errors. And I remember her looking at me and just saying, Oh, honey, you know, you're so sweet. I don't even know what you're talking about. And I think in that moment, um, I realized that I didn't need to be afraid. I didn't need to care what people think about me. Um, and that I could move on with my life. I didn't have to be burdened by the, the guilt of, of sin and shame that I had put myself through. And so that took me through this great journey of making amends with my dad and my mom and what seemed like hundreds of other people. And as I worked through the steps, I got a lot of clarity and would later break off my engagement with this young girl. And, and just really began to, to discover things about myself that I liked. And, um, you know, when you do drugs for a really long time, there's a big cloud around you and it's hard to see. And the more you get clear on that, um, the more you stop doing drugs and start, um, being dependent on something else, really just sin. The more, the more you start to get past that, you begin to get a lot of clarity. And, um, that moves us to chapter three. So this is what I would call peaks and valleys. Um, I, uh, this is ages 24 to the present. Um, so I met Rachel when I was 24. Um, planning a through hike of the Appalachian Trail. We ended up getting married eight months later, which was a major peak. Um, we spent the first six months hiking the Appalachian Trail, learning what it was like to work together without any distractions. It was monumental, major peak. Um, after the trail, we settled in Augusta, Georgia, and I really struggled to figure out what I could do and who I would be. And I, re I really had no vision for my life. Um, I started working for a heating and air company, which was a major valley. I wasn't satisfied. I was fueled by appetite, wanted to be number one, fueled by ambition. 
ridiculed constantly, which really made my approval um, issues hard. Uh, we had our first child, um, and I moved into the real estate world, which was a major peak. I sold 32 houses my first year. I had little signs and characters of me all over the town and just was getting tons of accolades, which really fueled my approval and ambition. Um, I later moved into the banking world and um, was always in need of another sale fueled by appetite, wanted to be number one fueled by ambition and just felt a lot of inadequacy because um, of approval issues that I had. We uh, had our second child and then our third child shortly after, and uh, God introduced me to some individuals. I, I got to be a part of a new software company and helping churches fund their giving. Um, but I was in always I was always in need of another sale again, you know, which really fueled by my appetite. And I, I think I wanted to be the boss. And, and that was challenging because that fueled my ambition. And I really struggled with the owner's model of how they were going to do business. And um, this this kind of challenge led me to another company. I, I got fired from that company and um, would later start working for a church management company. And, man, I really wanted to help churches. Like I had been doing this for a little while with this other company. And now that I'm working with this church management company, helping churches rethink their processes – this was a huge peak for me, and uh, it did fuel my ambition. I, I travel began to remind me of my dad's relationship with me when I was younger, and so that kind of fueled my approval a bit. Um, I had some big wins. Um, I really learned how to create a culture of process and and just see how churches um, do things. Like I got to work with North Point in Atlanta and Watermark and Dallas, Willow Creek in Chicago, dozens of other churches just trying to make technology move their mission forward. And I just learned a lot in that season. And um, I was introduced to a church called New Spring Church in Greenville, and that was a major peak being hired there. And I didn't have any more sales, but I struggled to abide in the Lord, and that really fueled appetite. I wanted to be seen as someone great, and... Um, I got to be a part of a great new department. We I, I launched staff development in 2012, got to be a part of hiring about 147 people in a year and a half, and that really fueled my approval and ambition. Um, it was a positive win in a sense that I learned how to create a culture of leadership and development, and um, I got a chance to help a, a capital campaign company um, rethink how they do their delivery with consulting, and and um, but I was frustrated with the slow growth of change um, that happened there, but that really kind of launched me into doing Culture Bus, um, and man, well, that was a major peak. I mean, I started consulting full-time. Um, I left on great terms at New Spring, loved my New Spring family. Um, but I just got to be a part of other churches and seeing how they did strategic ideas and helping them think through that. Um, and, and, but it did still fuel my ambition, my approval. Um, I really learned how to lead by asking questions. And, um, that was a great season of helping not just churches, but even other consulting companies and, and being a part of just growing. Um, I left New Spring, um, about three years ago. It's 2019 now, but, um, I left New Spring to attend Grace Church, which was very hard for me. And I started over in a sense at a church, but, um, being a part of Grace has really helped me rethink what discipleship looks like. And so, um, 
um, that's been powerful for me. And it's really helped me learn how to sink my teeth into meaningful work. I started consulting last year and then even recently came on staff. And uh, I'm the director of ministry projects there now, just assisting our executive pastors, supporting our campus pastors on special projects. And, and it's been powerful. And so I, I look back on these chapters. I look back on these ideas. God has really used these chapters to break me of approval, ambition, and appetite. So to, to let's discuss these temptations and what I call blinders. I find when I review them regularly, I'm able to be more effective to the people around me. So um, in Luke chapter 4, um, we see Jesus. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. I really identify with Jesus in this passage as the things he was tempted with were the same things I find myself being tempted with. So what I mean by that is that my issue with appetite, the idea that I will never have enough, is really centered mostly around need and satisfaction. So in Luke 4, 4, Jesus, he's tempted to provide for himself by turning stones into bread. And in my recovery, I've to constantly focus on the fact that God is my provider. He meets all my needs. The temptation for me is when Satan says, Chris, you will never have enough. And so when I don't get what I want, I, I often find myself wanting Kit Kats. It's kind of funny. Um, but it could be sex, money, greed. I mean, the big issue here for me is that I want to be my own provider. And I have to fight this a lot. Um, my issue with ambition, the idea that I will never accomplish enough, it's really centered around strength and weakness. And in Luke 4, 5, you know, Jesus, he's tempted to make a name for himself by receiving all the glory of the kingdoms by worshiping Satan. And the temptation for me is when Satan says, Chris, you'll never accomplish enough. Satan guilts me into thinking I'll never be more successful than my dad, uh, my mentors, and, and even those individuals that I look up to. And so I have to constantly fight this. And when I'm in conversations with others, I can find myself thinking about me. And before I know it, uh, I'm making myself out to be a savior of sorts. Um, I can make me more important than I really am. And so if I'm not careful because I want to be great, I'll cut corners and I'll end up sabotaging my relationship with others. Um, and so, you know, when I look back at the Saturn wreck, the Warners, um, the, the organizations that I've worked with, um, these kind of come to mind. If, if you remember Lance Armstrong and his interview with Oprah, he confessed all the wins were a result of cutting corners so he could be the best. And so what I have to learn is that the more I'm walking with Christ, the more I need to remember that I have all I need. So that's, that's really more about ambition. Now, my issue with approval the idea that I'll never be enough is centered around acceptance and rejection. Uh, so in Luke 4, 9, Jesus was tempted to control God by creating a greater entrance into the kingdom instead of risking being misunderstood, which was the cross. And so the temptation for me is when Satan says, Chris, you'll never be enough, but I am enough 
because Jesus died for me. It is up to me to remind myself to believe it. And this is really all about resisting the urge to be affirmed, to be accepted by others, um, fight the urge to do things so that people will think more of me than I really am. I have to fight that all the time. Um, I fight this temptation by remembering I am accepted through Christ's death. Um, I try to keep my head down. I sink my teeth into meaningful work. Uh, I try not to make more of what I do. Um, when I have a win, whether it's a great thing or I have something that's an issue, I try to look at it through the lens of the cross and, and just remember that I bring nothing to the table. So for me, ambition is my number one issue. I want to win. I want to be number one. And when that doesn't happen, I seek approval, finding a way for someone to praise me or appetite trying to find a Kit Kat. Um, sometimes when I get approval, I move towards ambition by trying to get a bunch of things done and then appetite finding a Kit Kat. I mean, it's like it's never ending. So I believe that discipleship really is the process that one engages in when they repent, believe, and follow Jesus. And as I reflect on the chapters of my life and focus on my own discipleship, I'm reminded that I do not need to prove myself to others and I have all that I need. He is really putting in motion opportunities for me to experience satisfaction in him and see his power and strength. And when I'm embracing that process over and over again, I find that I'm more useful to my wife, my kids, my workmates, clients I serve through Culture Bus, and, and anyone else that I get to interact with. So I hope this encourages you today. And, and in the show notes, there's a link to a great tool um, from my friends over at Watermark Church. It's called The 100 Common Struggles and Personal Assessment. So download it. And before you read the list, go to a quiet place, pray, and ask God to help you see your struggles. Then take time to circle the ones that apply to you. Don't worry if you circle a lot. I've circled a lot. I've just been able to narrow mine down to three. Um, but this is, this is, now this is the most important part of all of this. Okay. With this tool, find someone you can share all this with. Um, pray, circle your struggles and give time in biblical community to see what he does. And if you don't have biblical community and want to know more about what that looks like, man, text me. Okay. My number is area code 706-489-9811. And I would love to help you find something like that. Okay. All right. Well, that's all I got today. If you have questions or want me to discuss a topic, man, please contact me over at my website. Text me. Um, my website is culturebus.cc. That's culturebus.cc. Man, love it if you'd rate and subscribe to the podcast. And thanks. And uh, I look forward to joining you on the next one. Okay.